Vi skal sige hallo. Ja, hallo. Welcome to the Circle of Dads, the space for sharing stories about the struggles and triumphs of fatherhood and learning to become better men. So welcome to the Circle of Dads podcast. I'm here with my buddy Buster Frierson. What's up, man? Not much. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for coming out this morning. You bet. Thanks for having me. So uh, Buster is a rancher, semi-professional Instagram model. <laughs> are you a professional cowboy or semi? What is? Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. That's what I do for a profession. I run run cows for a living, so I run a ranch and tend to cows. So I guess I'm a professional cowboy. And then Not I'm, in the sense of a rodeo cowboy, but as a uh, caretaker of cows. Caretaker of cows. How about that? Yeah. Tending the land. Right. But you do rodeo. I do. Ranch rodeo, yes. Yeah, it's kind of a little different than what your modern day, what everybody sees a rodeo on TV or the national finals, I guess. We do a little different, kind of go back old style, old how a rodeo originated, actually. So we do events that... As a team, four or five man team, and then we uh, kind of the events or replicate what we do on the ranch on a day to day basis. So just kind of try to show your skills off and see what you can get done. Bragging rights and bragging rights, a little money, prizes, trinkets, what we call them, bits, saddles, buckles, knives, spurs, knives. Yeah, just different things, trinkets. Speaking of knives, you were showing me a pretty cool knife you got. Yeah. Yeah, I got a guy in Colorado, La Junta, Colorado. He uh, sent me a knife the other day. It's a one-handed operation design that he hand makes and pretty pretty cool knives. I hadn't used it a whole lot yet, so I don't know. I bet it, it looks like it'll hold up and it works good It uh, for guys that work outside and that might have something in their hand, you can open it with your pocket it's got a little i guess a kind of a little v in it that you can hook on your pocket a little or at the yeah, end. a little chingoletta at the end that you can just open it easy one-handed and uh is that the proper use of that chingoletta yeah pro- i mean proper may, maybe not the proper two white guys sitting yeah two i suppose the same maybe for the two white guys talking about it Move yeah. that chingus. That's how I always heard it. It's like, hey, move that chingus over there. The yeah. little chingoletta. The, the, yeah. little, the little, the little, the little chingoletta right there. The what little chingoletta. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Huh? What does what that mean? Like that little piece of sh- that little that little thingy. The thingy. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, thingy? that's English for chingoletta. The thingy. The thingy. Yeah. Oh man, I thought it meant something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> yeah, I figured you did. So, where are you from? I grew up out kind of northwest of Abilene, around Roby, Rotan. Uh, my family's all from out in that part of the world, which is about three hours west, northwest of here. Yeah, I've got family that uh, is from Roby. Or yeah. no, Rotan. Well, they're in Rotan, Roby, and Sweetwater. Yeah, same here. I'm not out. a lot out there. No, not much. Not much. Just Rotan, there's a golf course. And uh, Dairy Queen's all I remember, but that was... Ten years ago, that I was out there. Yeah, maybe yeah. longer. There's no, there's not a whole lot out there except a bunch of good, honest, salt of the green, salt of the earth people. I forgot that part. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for clarifying yeah, you're that. Welcome. We'll all get in trouble if we don't say that. There's more than a Dairy Queen, Dick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, man, uh, the reason I asked you to come on today is, you know, this uh, this show's just kind of basically just talking about different aspects of being dads, different aspects of being better men. And you know how we can constantly improve. And so just knowing you for the time I have, I can see that you've got a certain air about you, a certain amount of integrity and character. And that's something I really respect. And I see how you are with your son. And and uh, so here we are. <laughs> well, yeah, here we are. So uh, tell me about your son. My boy's Ranger. He's 12 years old. Uh, good kid. I couldn't have been blessed with a better kid, I guess. He, uh Super intelligent, super witty, just a all around good kid. Got really good manners, and he tries real hard at everything that he does. And I am super proud of him. And his mom and I are divorced, but uh, we kind of co-parent real well together. And she's, we have a good relationship, working relationship, I guess, with our son. And so uh, I think it makes a huge difference to be able to co-parent with 
your ex or significant other if you are divorced or split up. Or, Absolutely. Um, it's not that kid's fault, you know. Who, who, no. And so, I don't know, it just seems to me like if if you can get along better with them, it's a lot better for your kid in the long run. You got to pick your battles. No, oh, most for definitely, sure. most definitely. I know with my ex, um, you know, there's a reason she's my ex. Right, right, yeah. And, and like you said, it's not Abby's fault. Yep. Um, one thing that I, I don't know how I've managed it, but I've never said anything bad to Abby about her mom. Right. Ever. Yeah. I've made some expressions like, hmm, you know, or my mom said this or mom says this. And it's like, oh, okay. Right, right, but right. I've never, you know, your mom's fucking wrong or your mom, that's bullshit. Let me tell you about your mom. And, yeah. Because yeah. she's good. I mean, yeah. she's a great mom. Yeah. And that's the same way with mine. You know, I mean, I don't, I have no will, will towards her and she's a great mother. She just wasn't a very good wife to me. She might be a great wife to somebody else, you know, but she wasn't a good wife. I, we didn't, we didn't mesh as a husband and wife, and we went our separate ways, and, you know, I hope she finds what she's looking for. And she's a great mom to Ranger, and that's all I care about now. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the same thing with, with mine is, I mean, we just weren't supposed to be together. Right. It was just toxic for a number of reasons, and we both had an equal part. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you said manners. That's the first thing I noticed about Ranger when I met him. Yeah. I mean, in my world, in the Western world, I guess, the cowboy world, we still hold very true to our core values and manners and respect and integrity and character. And I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of an old tradition, I guess, that cowboys are supposed to be respectful and have manners. So that's the way I try to raise him because – yeah, I mean, I slip up every once in a while, and I'll say yeah, and I'll say no, and, you know, not show my manners like I need to, but the people that I'm around, my mentors, my peers, I guess, I'll, I see their manners and see their respect and see their integrity, and, you know, I mean, it, it shows out. It shows up, and it shows out, and it means a lot in our world. Yeah, the yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, that's something that, I kind of go in and out, right, back and forth, and I guess once you get comfortable with somebody professionally, you start talking to them. You bet. Which, you know, I mean, I guess it's just how you're brought up or whatever is acceptable if it's not bothering them. But I do notice when I'm interacting with people professionally, and they say "sir" or "no man." Oh yeah, most definitely, it stands out. I mean, yeah, it does. Absolutely. And I tell Ranger all the time. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how athletic you are. I don't care what you do. As long as you have manners, it'll take you a lot of places. People notice it. If you walk up and shake somebody's hand and look at them in the eye and say, yes, sir, no, sir, it's, it stands out. And, it, and especially in today's world, it stands out because there are very, very, very few kids that I'm around that do have manners that are not from our culture, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could say that. Now, like, and I'll probably step on somebody's toes, but the city kids – they're not taught that way, and you know it's a different it's a different upbringing. The world I live in compared to the city world, you know, I mean it's a it's a different ball game. The Ranger had a buddy come over with him the other day, hung out with us all day, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no." And about three and a half, I didn't say anything. He's not my kid. He's just over for the day. His mom and works out at the Y and so Rangers become friends with him and they play when they're up there and hang out and so he, Ranger asked if he'd come over and hang out with us one day I said you bet so he did the other day about three three and a half four hours into the day I asked this boy a question and he said yes sir and I what well, just like slapped me in the face because all morning he'd been saying yeah no yeah no but Ranger, every time I talked to him, he'd yes sir, no sir, yes sir, no sir. What well, rubbed off on this kid in three and a half, four hours? And as soon as he said it, I turned around. I said, "Man, that sounds a lot better than yeah." Just something, you know, that it rubbed off on him just in a little bit of time, and it made a big difference just with in my dealings with him. You know, I mean, I I, I kind of paid a little more attention to him. 
Yeah. And that, I mean, that kind of stuff, I mean, I'm sure you were just filled with pride. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty cool that a kid probably never said yes, sir, or no, sir. And he might have. I don't know. I'm just assuming, I guess. And that makes it but he didn't out to you. you and me. Right. He hadn't to me all morning up until that one point when he did, in which it was like, damn, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and then because Ranger. Exactly. Because of how Ranger like uh, exactly. modeled that. Exactly. And became the example and yes. led the way. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So you can see that, how direct of a, how, how, uh, what an influence that can have on a kid. So that kid could leave, right? And never, you know, probably not say that to anybody else. But you can guarantee if they end up to be lifelong friends every time he comes over to see Mr. Frierson. It's yes, sir. No, sir. Right on. I hope so. And if they bring a third and, you know. Maybe it'll rub off on them. Droopy or Scooter or whatever the dude's (laughs) name is, you know, or or Kyler or whatever. Right. um, I think you better say yes, sir, to him, man. Exactly. Exactly. And so they'll know. And so now you have that rapport with the kids. And I hope so. I mean, that's, and that's, I mean, just what little bit anybody could do, you or I or the Joe Blow walking down the street, you know, I mean. There's something to somebody saying, whether it's you're a grown man or whether you're a nine-year-old kid saying, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you, and please. That's what we were taught when little kids, you know. I mean, that's our generation. I agree. I mean, that's, you know, we talk a lot about integrity and character and things like that as men. And I don't think a lot of men in this generation coming up know what that means. No, I agree. I mean, um, you know, integrity is pretty easy. They can say, ah, doing the right thing. Right. But it's doing the right thing even when nobody's looking. That's it. I tell that to Abby all the time. Right on. Integrity is not doing the right thing when somebody's watching you. Exactly. That's showing off. Exactly. Integrity is doing it when nobody's watching. Yeah. And that's when it counts the most, you know. And another thing, like say, in my lifestyle, you know, I'm pretty much by myself. I I don't have a guy sitting around the corner in an office watching what I do every day, all day. While I'm at work, so in our world we call it self-starter. You got to get started, and you got to go. And if you don't do the right thing, sooner or later it's going to bite you in the ass. It's called karma, and she is a vindictive lady. Yeah, and it, it's it'll come back around. Yeah, it sucks sometimes to drive by fence that got some wire broke on it, and you got to fix it, and it's not really making that much difference anyways, you know, but you pull over, and it's 120 degrees, and it's 60% humidity, and you think, man, I just go to the house, but it's those times that kind of stand out, you know, where you stop, get out, go fix it, tend to it, go on about your business. You feel better about yourself when you get done with it. It sucks at the time, but, and that's kind of like anything, I guess, if you take the easy way out, it's easy. Oh, yeah. Well, esteem comes from esteemable acts. Exactly. So you can you can skate by and nobody will find out, but you know. Exactly. And you're going to start to feel it. Right. And then you're going to start trying to overcompensate somewhere else. Right. Walking around like a rooster, yep. you know, strutting. And For it's, sure. What are you looking – or what are you trying to hide? Yeah. Uh, I always look at stuff like that, not fences, because I don't <laughs> – you know. <laughs> right, right. But at work or yeah. uh, at the house or – at my mother-in-law's or something. I'll walk by something and it's like, that needs to be fixed. Right. And if I don't fix it, nobody else is going to. And you can bet it's going to break at two o'clock in the morning. Right on. When I'm not around or right on. at the worst possible damn time. Yeah. And you can think about that just like your kid. I mean, to be honest with you, you can roll that right over into your kid. If you don't fix it right now, at two o'clock in the morning, it's going to break and you're going to be getting that phone call. Absolutely. You know, I mean, whether it's a bad, bad event or whether it's just a an event where you got to go tend to something that your kid's done because you hadn't tended to it earlier or sooner or quicker. You get that. Would you please accept a collect call from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dad, please hit one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've made those calls. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, I'm not going to sit across the aisle from you and say I hadn't. I've made those myself. So. Yeah. Well, man, that's a. Um, character is not something you can tell your kid to have. No, it's you, not something that you can tell your you can't tell your kid to have integrity. You know, I like I just said. You know, I tell Abby all the time, this is what integrity is. But I can't tell her that and then go do something completely different. Right. You yeah. have to be. You have to have that. 
in your own life. You have to model that. You have to show it. You have to be a leader. You have to be a, you have to show, I don't know, I associate, <laughs> and some people probably I won't like me saying this, but. They're not here? Yeah, right. Um, I treat raising my son just like I do, and I associate it with training an animal. I train a lot of animals, whether it be horses, dogs, cows. The human is just an animal. They react to pressure and release, just like anything else. You put enough pressure on somebody to do something, or you put enough pressure on an animal to do something, and as soon as they do it, you release that pressure, they learn from that. Right. And the kid's the same way. If you don't ever pressure a kid to do something, and you don't ever, they have no idea what it is, then they don't ever learn anything. I mean, it's just like going to school. You study, that's the pressure because you have a test. So that's, you You have to study to release, to be released. And after you finish the test, it's over with. Mm-hmm. You either learn something or you didn't learn something. And it shows up in when the teacher grades it. And the kid's the same way. And then you can never, ever put any pressure on them to learn anything. And they're not. They, they'll they learn what they want to learn. What's easy? They're lazy. Just like a horse is lazy. Just like, oh, I'm lazy. Just like everybody. What's the easiest easiest path? And that, there's no, I mean, that's in our, D, well, I can't say it's in our DNA, but why would you go through the hard? Right. If you if you can get the same result without having to do anything. If yeah. mommy and daddy tend to it, and you don't have to, I mean, why would you? I mean, if somebody paid my bills, I probably wouldn't do nothing. Say thank you. Yeah, I'd say appreciate it. Thank you. And sooner or later, you're going to expect it. And so you're probably even quit saying thank you. I mean, you just think that's the norm. Why wouldn't you pay them? Right. And I think that's a lot of our culture nowadays. Our kids have gotten to that point because mom and dad do take care of them so much. From the They baby them up until they're 35 years old. It is unbelievable to me, you know, I mean, I, and you're probably the same way, but when I graduated high school, I left. And I've been on my own pretty much since that day. And my parents never paid my bills once I graduated high school. They never, now I'm not saying they hadn't helped me, but they've helped me along the way here and there, but they damn sure hadn't held my hand and tended to me. Right. And there's a difference. I mean, there's a difference in my my opinion. And I guess they, what do they call it? The hard love deal. You got to finally kick them out of the nest and say, go make it or don't. Spread your wings, little yeah. bird. <laughs> exactly. So my, my upbringing was a little different. You know, I mean, I, uh, we moved around a lot. And so, you know, I dropped out of high school and got my GED and went on about life. Yeah. And then just bounced around. Uh, I would burn it down real good and end up sleeping on my grandmother's couch for a little while right and um, and recover and go do something else. You know, go take another hostage and move in with her for about a year. And right uh, once I learned to quit doing those kind of things, of course, back then I was drinking heavily. And so there wasn't much more things. That, there weren't things that were more important than getting drunk. Right. So I would work to be able to get drunk. There you go. And then you got to recover from all that. But you got to hurry up and recover so you can go back to work so you can drink again. Right. And so I, I just repeated that cycle for years until I finally got sober. And, you know, that's uh, – I don't think I really even grew up. Because I, I don't think I even started being a man that I would want to hang out with until I was probably 29. You know? It's just I look back on a lot of the shit that I did, just different behaviors and different things like that, and thought, God dang no wonder people like that aggravate me so much now is because I see myself in them. Exactly. And, uh, and I don't do things now to try to make up for that. I just, I know what I want. I know who I want to be. I always worked hard, but, you know. It for, was, for a different it, reason. It was for a different reason. Yeah, you were punishing yourself. That, and I did the same similar stuff, you know, I mean, very, very similar. We had, <laughs> so, and my deal was I'd, I'd drink, party, get drunk, hang out, whatever. And I punished myself by working my ass off. And that was kind of, that was my punishment to myself for being a wild heathen. Yeah. The night before. And 
again, like you say, you know, you got to do that so you can go back to drinking. Feeding the beast. Right, yeah. Have you always been a, a rancher? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, not, well, I say, yeah, pretty much. No, I haven't. Uh, I uh, I grew up around horses and agriculture and ranching. And, of course, I got away from it when I was in the sports, in the high school. We kind of got away from that. It was just kind of a, more or less everything was sports-related, you know. And then I I did a little hunting guide and guiding hunts for an outfitter for three or four years. And then I went to work for a construction crew at Lone Star Gas. I was on a construction crew fixing gas lines. And yeah. Got to kind of running around. That was about the time I was 20, 21, 22. I thought I was pretty big, pretty full of myself. And got to running around, hanging out at the bars and doing that kind of thing, just like we all do, or most of us do, I guess. And run into a girl. She lived up here at Fort Worth. And we got to Dayton, and I moved up here and went to work as a lineman for TU Electric at that time, which is on, uh, I don't even know what they call it now. Is it Encore? Encore. There you go. It's a good job. Yeah. I was a lineman for four and a half, five years, and it was kind of one of those deals I got sick of working in, in, in the city. I mean, pretty much. I just got sick of working in the city, and I was... I was going down the wrong path. I was drinking way too much. I had too much money at that time. You know, I was single, and me and that girl had split up, and I was running around hanging out at the bars, and I just kind of got to the spot where I needed something to change, and I knew that the the one alternative was not going to be good, and so I just up and quit one day. Had a hell of a good job, you know, made a lot of money, but it wasn't where I wanted to be. It wasn't what I wanted to be. I was making myself miserable. And yeah. So I quit and kind of went out on my own, had me a little old house out south of Weatherford and kind of went back to trying to live the cowboy lifestyle and ranching and riding horses and what we call it, day working. You know, you go work for this guy one day and go work for this next guy the next day and just kind of travel around and kind of a nomad, I guess, nomad cowboy drifter. Did that for a few years and, just kind of led me to where I am today, and we had to accumulate skills, right? Yeah, I mean it's same, yeah, same, just like in anything, you have to, you have to kind of put your time in and pay your dues, and I did, and paid attention and listened, and kept my mouth shut, and took the good from the good and the bad from the bad, and just learned and tried to better myself. So, and then I've, you know, I mean I've. Always kind of rodeoed and that kind of thing, and just I don't know. It's kind of a long, windy path to get to where I am today. But it was everything along that path that's made me what I am today, too. You know, I and mean, it's just kind of I got to see a little bit of everything. Yeah, from being in the city to working in the city to being around city people to being you know back in the country, back around ranch folks, and you take the good and try to replicate it and you take the bad and throw it out the window and I have figured that out in my life you're going to see a lot of stuff and everybody's not going to do it like you and if you think you are then you've you you're way behind because it's not going to happen right so yeah the past that we take kind of shape us oh no doubt no doubt you know I don't look back at everything in my past fondly right you know I mean there's (laughs) some stuff that I regret about Absolutely. but And those are the best lessons you learned. Absolutely. I mean, we're all dinged up. Yeah. Every scar I have has a story. You bet. Um, some of them aren't as cool as that one on your head, but the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, yeah. uh, um, they've all shaped me in somehow. That's one thing about this, this, this show or the whole circle of dads thing is, is you can kind of get hung up on all those mistakes and think that that's who you are. Yeah. Like if you've, if you haven't seen your child and, six months or whatever and you're not paying child support or you're not treating your mom right or say you are still married and you see them every day but you're just kind of not acting the way that you know you should be acting right. a lot of people seem to think that i know f- for me i had um i kind of thought this is just how it's always going to be i'm never going to be any better i don't deserve better the kid does and then when i finally figured out that i could be better and how to aspire to be better, then I just started changing those behaviors. And I, it's hard when you see fellas that are kind of messing up 
And it's like, man, if you, you just start today, like you don't have to fix all that shit from the past yet. Just work on today. Just don't be an asshole today. Right. And to try tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. You can't do anything about being an asshole last Tuesday. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like that. The past is in the past, you know, and it's kind of like uh, the old AA. You you got to live minute by minute. One day at a time. One day at a time. One Five minutes at a time. Sometimes it's second by second. Exactly. And, you know, to slow yourself down and to put yourself in that situation when there are when there is a, something that arises that you got to you got to be able to control your brain to think that way and exactly what you're saying you know i mean don't worry about what you did last tuesday yeah try to be a better dad for tomorrow or the next 10 minutes you know and i'm gonna sit here and lie to anybody I mean, there's a lot of stuff i can improve on there's a lot of stuff that i could do better with raising my kid no doubt about it you and me both uh but i need to work on my temper Oh yeah, no doubt. My temper, my my control, my deals controlling them. You know, my son is super super smart. Wants to help you do whatever there is to be done, and knows how to work already as a twelve year old. I mean, I can send him on a task and he can do it, whether it takes thirty minutes or five hours. That's that's pretty good. And you know, but yet I want more out of him, and I catch myself. After I ask more from him, I catch myself telling him, you know, damn, he's just a 12-year-old, you know. He just turned 12. He kind of chill out, Pops. I mean, he'll figure it out. Let him be 12. Let him be 12, exactly. And, you know, that's in the world that I live in is I'm generally by myself working by myself. Yeah. And so I have control of what goes on or my actions, I guess should say, not what goes on, but I— I can adapt and kind of do whatever. And I, I try to put that over on him too. You know, I try to, I try to control him just like I try to control the cow going through the gate. When I want him to go through the gate, when I want her to go through the gate, same deal. Or when I want a horse to do a certain maneuver, I control that all the time. I mean, if I want the horse to turn left, I make him turn left. He don't get to do it on his own. Yeah. He gets to do it on my terms. And, I have to I have to work on that as he gets older because he's going to resent me. I have a feeling for trying to put my thumb on him and control him all the time. And so that's something that I have to work on along with numerous other things, I would imagine. But that's the main deal. I catch myself trying to control everything. Hey, man, but you see it. A lot of guys don't. And then they end up old men that nobody wants to hang out with, you know, right. or like, I don't know why the kids don't call. Well, it's because yeah. you're an asshole for 30 years, yeah. you know? Yeah. With me, I can see a lot of similarities. Like, um, you know, I'm self-employed, and a lot of times it's, it's if I don't, you know, it's self-starting. If I sleep in, well, I'm going to pay the price. Right. And my employees are going to pay the price, and everybody's going to pay the price. And so it's just constantly go, 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 go. Well, I also spend a lot of time in my head by myself just thinking going over shit it's kind of quiet and you pick up a 12 year old girl and put her in the car after she hadn't seen you for a couple of days and it's a onslaught of of uh of words and just stories and just chaos you know and so a lot of times i have to just like whoa take it easy you know like and because it's it can be irritating. Oh like, yes. If I'm not used to, it, I'm like, God dang, j- j- you're asking a lot of questions. You know. Right. I don't ever want her to stop asking questions. I don't want her want her to ever think that she can't talk to me. Right. If I'm teaching her that when she's 11, 12, or hell, you know, the whole time, by the time she gets to be 16, she's not gonna want to talk to me, exactly. and it's gonna drive me crazy. Yes. Just say anything, baby. Please. Yes, sir. Tell me something. So finding that balance. Like I see parents that can just tune it out and just listen and nod. I'm not, I'm not capable of that. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't honed that skill yet. But like with Abby, I just want her to work hard. I tell her all the time, like I don't care what you do, just do it with heart. There you go. Try to do it well, and do it longer for for than two days. <laughs> you know, like. But I, you, I don't know how to teach them that other than to do it yourself. Right. To be passionate about what you're doing, treat people kind, work hard, and do things even when you don't want to, and hopefully eventually they. Ah, uh, it'll rub off. I mean, it's just like 
again, I go back to the animal deal just because that's what I'm uh, used to. It's just like taking an old trained dog and putting a young pup with them. Yeah, you could train that pup by itself. It's going to take you a lot longer time. Or you could put that young pup with that old dog that already knows how you it's been trained. And that young pup figures it out a lot faster. Like, way a lot faster. And I've seen this, you know, with my dogs and working dogs and whatnot. You can, you can turn a pup loose and he'll just figure out, just from the old dog's behavior, how he needs to act and where he needs to go and what he needs to do. And I feel like that's the same way with a kid. If you're not taking them down the right path and showing them the right thing, then that's they're going to learn what you show them. Whether it be good or bad. And they see everything. And they see everything. And they hear way more than you think they do. They do not miss anything. They don't. They're exactly right. Well, and your son's friend proved that. You bet. Yeah. I mean, he proved that in three hours. I mean, it was just a simple, very simple little old deal. But it was showed. It showed up in three hours. I mean, three and a half hours. It was. He already knew how to say yes, sir. No, sir. Just because he followed Ranger, who was, who's been following me. Right. I picture his mom. Coming to pick him up and you putting him in the car. Well, he's all fixed. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I yeah, got him no. all trained. Don't worry yeah, about that. Yeah, no. It, my training's kind of like in anything, even on the kids, it wears off pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> Constant immersion in the. Yeah, I mean, it's always, you, you always have, I mean, it's a, that's another thing. You, you always have to be training and, and or teaching, I guess, in, in, in the animal world is training. In the kid world is teaching. You always have to be teaching. Otherwise, it does wear off. You don't get any improvement other than the base that you put on them. I'm real careful about um, telling my daughter, from now on, we're going to do this. From here on out, this is how this is going to be. Mm-hmm. Because if I say that, and then for some reason... You don't do it. I don't do it. You're a liar. I'm a liar. And I'm not a man of my word. Exactly. And my dad's full of shit. Yep. You know, and she'll start mm-hmm, rolling her eyes you can just start doing those things. You don't walk into your house one day, kick in the door and like, all right, damn it, this is what we're doing. From here on out, we're going to bed at this time. You're going to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that. Right. I mean, you might if you're pissed off and you've been fed up. Right. But if you just show up and start doing those things yourselves or yourself, eventually they're going to just follow suit. Exactly. Hopefully. Just like that old dog and that young pup. I mean, that's a, that's, yeah, the, the, yes, they will follow suit. And all Hopefully. those, all those <laughs> things at core, you know, are, are what develop character. You're exactly right. So, what's character mean to you? Character, ah, that's a good one. That character to me is what you really are inside. I mean, there's a difference in in my opinion. The reputation is what you think of me. Character is what I think of me. What I actually am. And that's if you have a good reputation. You might have a good reputation to a few folks, but then you might have a bad reputation to somebody else. But if you have a good character, everybody sees your character. No matter how you act, everybody sees your character. Everybody can look at you and, I mean, yeah, I guess you're profiling, I suppose, but I can look at you and tell that you have a good character. You can look at me. And whether you think I have a good character or not, you're going to have an opinion on that by the time you're done talking to me in about five minutes. Mm -hmm. I met a guy the other day, and within about two minutes, that guy and I, he's my people. He's a good character. And you could tell it just by talking to him, just by the way he carried on a conversation, just just by the way he vocalized who he was, what he was. And at the end of the five-minute conversation I had with him, I could call that guy right now, and I would call that guy right now if I had a problem. You know, I mean, there's other folks out there you go, man, that's a sorry son of a bitch. I don't want any dealings with him. I want to be as far away from him as I can, or her. I mean, it doesn't have to be a guy. It could be a her. You know, and I, I want my kid to be raised around good people that have great character. Absolutely. I um that whole deal about you're the sum total of your five friends or whatever. I don't. You know, I mean, whoever you spend your most the most time yeah. around is you're the you're, average. Yeah, you're, you're the emulate. average of the five people you spend most time around, and that's true. I mean, you you associate with criminals, you're probably a criminal. You associate with 
Dopeheads, you're probably a dopehead. You associate with beer drinking alcoholics, you're probably one of them. I mean, it just depends. It it is it is very simple. I tried to only hang around with people that I would want to influence my wife or daughter. Right. You know what I mean? You like, bet. If there's a guy that I'm hanging out with, and and uh, and I've had this happen in the past, and you know, close friends, and 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 they're up to some shady stuff or. They do stuff behind. They talk clean and live dirty. Right. And that's something that really bothers me, you know. Um, maybe because I used to do it. I don't <laughs> If we're being honest. And, you know, you try to get them to come along and maybe, like, show or just model a better behavior in front of them or be the, you know, try to rub off on them or uh, whatever you want to do. I, I don't know how to articulate that. But then once you see that it's kind of not going anywhere and it's only getting worse and it's time to cut ties. It is. No doubt. Cause mm-hmm. I, I don't want you bringing that in my house. Right. You know, if, 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 uh, if I'm around you and I act like that's okay, then my daughter's going to assume that I think that that's okay. Exactly. In my opinion. No, you're exactly right. And, and I agree. And I don't want that. Yep. And so I, I think that, um, I think we have to be very careful about who we associate with. And I've gotten pretty good of, uh, figuring out real quick just like you said you know you know if you click with somebody or not no doubt you can leave a conversation after two or three minutes and look at your woman and be like i freaking like that guy he's a good dude yeah that's a good dude she's like you just met him Mm-mm. no yeah. I, exactly i got him figured out it's a good dude you know i mean you can you and i don't know if you could do that with everybody but the majority of folks you can well i think that you um i think that the ones that you're supposed to figure that out about you do What's hard is when you have that idea about somebody and then you're wrong. You find out about six months into it. It's like, you sneaky son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. So so what are you doing besides ranching? You're involved in? Uh, you're wanting to talk about Bison Union. Can we talk about Bison Union? Sure. Let's talk about Bison Union. Let's yes. talk about how your modeling career started. <laughs> my modeling career, which is not, it's not, it, my modeling career is not very lucrative. More lucrative than mine. Yeah, Bison Union is a Bison Union is an Americana lifestyle brand, apparel, um, salt of the earth kind of type people that we sell. And I say we, Bert Koontz is a retired special ops guy that came to found me for through how I have no idea. I don't know, but he found me and. He was in, he's a Green Beret Ranger, special ops guy for 15 years, retired, moved to Fort Worth. His wife was working at TCU. He met a mutual friend of ours, and he wanted to work on a ranch, never been around a ranch, never really done anything in the agricultural world. Just decided I want to be a cowboy. Right, just decided, you know, and he pretty much done everything else with the special ops, you know, being in there for military for 15, 16 years. And uh, he came to work for me. Long story short, he came to work for me and we hit it off. And He's a, one of them guys you could look at him and in two minutes you could tell he's a good dude. It's my people, you know. I mean, he, he's character, integrity, all of it's there. Hard work, heart, intelligence, good guy. So we hit it off. He worked for us there at the ranch and Within about a year, I suppose, he was kind of leaning towards maybe starting a T-shirt. He wanted to. He had a pretty big following. He had done some other stuff before he came to the ranch, and he had a pretty big social media following and uh, wanted to kind of make a T-shirt, make a company, try to just start from the ground up, which, which impressed me. You know, I mean, most people don't step out of their comfort zone, but Bert, he steps out of his comfort zone from – most all the time and tries to start something, do something worthy. And so we did, he did, and uh, sold a few T-shirts and kind of led into selling a few more T-shirts and kind of led into making some caps and just Americana apparel lifestyle brand is more or less what it is. For the working man. For the working man, yeah, for the working man or, you know, just for the outdoor enthusiast or so it, it's become more involved now. Black Rifle Coffee Company makes some coffee for us, and we sell some coffee and do some different things. And we uh, 
donate back to the Working Ranch Cowboys Association through a brand of coffee that we designed and made for the WRCA out of Amarillo, which I'm involved in. What do they do? Um, they It's a rodeo organization, which, like I said, is Working Ranch Cowboys Association, but they also, their main deal is they have a crisis fund, sure. WRCF, and they have a scholarship fund, which also goes towards Working Ranch Cowboy kids. Uh, the crisis fund, though, is kind of where I lean towards a little more heavily because of I know what it's like to be a working ranch cowboy. Not Most of us don't have insurance. I do. Luckily enough, I work for a ranch that they furnish me with that insurance. And we live a pretty dangerous lifestyle. I mean, we can get hurt at the drop of a hat. And, be laid up with yeah, no pay. Yeah, be laid up. And you're, you know, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to survive when you're not making that day day work wages or you can't make those wages. So the crisis fund, they, if you get hurt, they will help you along the way with monetarily, which pay your bills, send you some money every month to kind of tend to your necessities. Not necessarily, you know, going to, give you a salary every month, but they'll, right. they'll help you along. So I've always... It's always, not cowboy welfare. Right, exactly. It's not cowboy welfare, but it's a... Uh, what they say, it's not a handout, it's a hand up. They're just trying to help you get out of the hole while you're injured. And I've always thought something of that. I had a pretty good horse wreck about six years ago, I guess, and instantly was crippled for three and a half, four months, broke my back, and three vertebrae, broke some ribs and had some issues in my spinal column and cut nerves and different things. I mean, just a pretty good wreck. And uh, the first people that stuck their hand up, hand out to help me up was WRCF. Luckily, like I said, I had a insurance, and so I turned it down, told them to give it to somebody that was more worthy of it that didn't have insurance. And so I've always felt pretty obligated towards those guys and always felt, you know, that that was a, that was something that needed to be done. And I'm proud to be associated with them and glad that they do what they do. And so with me being involved with Bison Union, we have a coffee brand now that uh, Ranch Hand Blend is what it's called, Bison Union Ranch Hand Blend. And every dollar, every bag that we sell, we donate a dollar back to the WRCF or we donate a dollar back to the crisis fund and so it was just something that Bert felt like he wanted to do and I felt like I wanted to do he was appreciative of a cowboy culture and that we took him in and kind of being from outside you know we took him in and showed him what it was and he really enjoyed it and really respects it just like I respect him in the military and all the first responders and people that put their life on the line every day to protect us and give us the freedoms that we have and, you know, he, on the other hand, turns around and says, "We, I, man, he respects us, and we furnish the food that make it possible for them to protect us. I never thought of it like that. Uh, you know, I don't either. And, he, and Bert, like I say, he's very well-read, very intelligent man. He is like, I, I believe, and, and nobody quote me on this, but there's 1.5% of our population that go into the military which may be right or wrong, I don't know, but I, I believe that's kind of where it is. And there's 1.5% of our population that furnishes and raises food. So, I mean, there's a slim percentage of our population. Feeding and protecting. Feeding and protecting. That's 3%, you know. I mean, that's 3% of our population. That's crazy to me if you really sit down and think about it, that feed or, and or protect us. It is wild to me, you know, and so there's a bond there between military and the rancher, agriculture, farmer, whatever you want to call us. But uh, there's kind of that mutual bond there that they protect us and we help feed or we feed them. So that's pretty cool when you think about it that way. Excellent. Yeah, that that is. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's there's a whole like the other 97 percent of the population. A lot of that does a lot of them may, in some capacity, support those two things, but at the very tip of the spear, right? You know. Um, so, in the, in the, a fun like that is pretty fun because I mean, I imagine y'all are a pretty proud bunch. Don't ex don't exactly just ask for help. 
I mean, you don't no. strike me as the type of guy that's going to end up on the street corner with a can. No, no. Or a little no. sign. And that's the whole deal. The agricultural farmer, rancher, they don't ask for help. I mean, it is, we're always dealing with some m- major catastrophe all the time. I mean, yeah, there's hurricanes and tornadoes and typhoons and different things that hit once every 50 year storm, you know. But a rancher, farmer, you're always dealing with some catastrophe, whether it's here, whether it's in North Dakota, or whether it's in California, or whether it's in Tennessee. There's always something going on, whether we're in a drought or we're on fire or, you know, and the, there's flooding out somewhere else. It's droughting somewhere else. I mean, we, we live and die by Mother Nature, and you can't control Mother Nature. No matter how hard you try, it's just not going to happen. Um, or it's so we're always dealing with something and we don't, you don't ever hear about the rancher screaming and yelling, needing some government assistance from, because we had a wildfire that burned up a million acres and a hundred thousand head of cattle, you know, I mean, you don't just bond together and take care of each other. We, we, we help out we start sending, Hey, you know, I mean, we, we take the necessary, necessary supplies. And if you're, if you're, prosperous then you go help the guy that's not because next year you're liable to be that guy that's not it's a lot of character a lot I mean, of that, character that's, I mean, that's kind of one of those things you yeah you bet it takes a lot of character you know we had big fires a couple of years ago up in the panhandle in oklahoma and new mexico and we were taking hay from down here buying hay from down here and hauling it up there to those guys because they were in need well this year might be the other way around we might be needing it you know, in another three months, and hopefully they return the favor, which uh, I don't have any doubt that they will. So, I mean, it's always something, and, yeah, we don't ask for a whole lot of help, and we we aren't screaming, we're not yelling, we're just put your nose down, pull your boots up, go on. I mean. Just get it done. Just get it done. Figure out how to get it done. Figure out how to make it. Yeah, the uh, uh, maybe – that's why y'all bond so much or y'all have that common bond because the other 97% of the, of uh, the population probably has a whole lot of control over their daily life. Yeah, no doubt. Other than traffic. Right. Right. You know, I mean, there's just, and, and, you know, they have the, the, there's just horrific things that happen. People can't control that. But I mean, y'all are stuck with the elements. Y'all are stuck with, I mean, like, like in the military, they can't control what the government decides to do or what some, you know, just whatever their mission is, they can't really control the you other bet. side of that too much. Just like you can't control Mother Nature. Right. You adapt and you overcome. And you're out in it all day long. Like, all day. Whether know, it's freezing, burning up, raining, thunderstorming, hailing. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. We're not like the old guys having to sleep out underneath the wagon, you know. I mean, we can go to the house and get in out of the rain or the thunderstorm or the 115-degree weather. Yes, you can. But... You still got to go out. You still got to go do your deal. And whether, whatever, whether it's 30 below or whether it's hailing, you know, I mean, you got to, you got to go tend to your business when your business needs tending to. I've had an office job. uh, I think I say an office job. I worked inside briefly, very briefly for like a couple of months. And it was, it was terrible, you know, because I'm like, I've been welding for 24 years. 22 years, something like that. So you're, you're soaked from six and like right now I'm, I'm sweaty from the time I leave the house until the time I get back. And that's like drenched underwear, socks, boots, everything, wallet soaked, just everything's wet until nine o'clock when you get home, you know? And, um, but I don't think I could do anything else. Mm, No doubt. I I understand. There's days when like, like today I'm wearing shorts but I kind of feel unprepared. <laughs> like something's going to happen. Right, right. Um, but just being out in the elements all the time, that gives you a certain edge. It does. It does. I mean, it, and it's something that people that, and nothing against, because we need everybody doing what all they do, but, you know, it's something you can't get sitting in an office. It's something you don't, you don't quite have that fire. You don't quite have that ability to just adapt you know, I mean, it's a, there's something to being outside in the elements that 
kind of bring back that old, I guess, Mother Nature, what Mother Nature intended, that kind of that animalistic drive that, hey, I got to survive. I got to do this. Well, and it's just a challenge. Right. You know, every day is a challenge. Yeah, I could sit in the truck in the AC, but you got to get out of the truck eventually. Sooner or later. So you might as well just jump in it. There you go. What's next for you? What are you doing now? I just uh, still still kind of going along with Bison Union, and we uh, just moved our, I guess what we'd say, our main office up to Sheridan, Wyoming, and we've kind of been combining our efforts with uh, Bighorn Design up there. They do a lot of our T-shirt printing and ball caps and just different things like that, and so we've we've kind of combining our efforts up there and got a few stores open up in the Wyoming area, just storefronts with our merchandise along with some other big horn design merchandise. Um, still going to the WRCA Ranch Rodeos and got qualified for Amarillo, the finals, which is in November of this year. We won one rodeo and the WRCA, that's how they generate funds for their crisis fund is they have ranch rodeos, which is what I participate in. And so they have a qualifying rodeos throughout the year. And then at the end of the year, there's 22 or 24 teams that go to Amarillo and battle it out to see who's going to be the world champions in the WRCA. And they're from all over the country. And so it's a pretty good time. It's a week-long rodeo, big trade show, different things and entertainment. And so we go up there in November to that. Um, Go you have to, sponsors for that? Yeah, we have a few sponsors. Uh, Bison Union being our main sponsor. Teskey's out of Weatherford. Casey Cooper Saddlery. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of our three main sponsors. And we uh, we rodeo throughout the year. We have a, actually have a rodeo tonight to Warwick, Oklahoma, that we'll go to. And next month will be – we'll go out to Alpine for a few days and – then there's just different rodeos all over the state that we travel to and some New Mexico and Kansas, but we try not to go that far anymore. Right. So, so <clears throat> these rodeos and stuff, do they, they raise money too? Right. right. Yeah. They, they raise money for the crisis fund. They awareness, you know, they bring up awareness to the cities that have them and the people that live in those towns and they come out and get entertained and, get to learn something about the crisis fund and the WRCA and cowboy culture and get to watch a ranch rodeo. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty entertaining. Most folks that never been to one, they love it. Once they go to and see one, they try to find as many as they can close by to go watch. Yeah. So. I was uh, trying to think of, you know, you're talking about the crisis fund and I mean, how relevant that is and what a good, I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome that that's available for you guys. You because bet. I was trying to think of how many surgeries you've had since I've known you. <laughs> I think three. So what'd you have done? I tore my bicep tendon off my left arm. I tore my knee completely up and my back. So your bicep tendon, you were wrestling with some dudes. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu? Jiu-jitsu, yes, sir. Somebody got a little... Yeah, we got a little, got a little heated. Not really heated, just got a little more than... Pulling a little more pressure than the... What is that? The more strain than the... Than the tendon can handle? Yeah, more more pressure than you could bear. But I'm, I'm not going to tap. Yeah, I wasn't going to tap, man. Snap. No <laughs> tap, hear the snap. Yeah, that's it. And then your knee? My knee, uh, I, was, <laughs> I was running the rope of calf that gotten out of a set of pins and running across the pasture. My horse stubbed his toe and fell, and we slid 20 or 30 foot while he was about a 1,200-pound horse laying on me. And I guess in the melee I twisted my knee somehow or another, but I shredded my ACL, tore my PCL into MCL, meniscus, all that stuff was kind of looked like a bunch of broken noodles hanging in there, he told me. So got all that replaced and fixed and sewed up and screwed together and kind of back rolling. Yeah, it's been it's a pretty pretty rough lifestyle when you <laughs> You know, you, people don't think much about it, but a horse will run 35, 40 miles an hour and weighs 1,200 pounds, and you're running out across an environment you don't have any idea. Well, I mean, some of it you know what's what, but there's rocks and potholes and sticks and little divots and ditches, and sometimes if you're doing something, if something happens, so you just got to... 
Well, I mean, you could be doing everything right, and something could happen. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, you got you got all kinds of uh, what do you, what would you say all variables. kinds of variables in that that the cow, the horse, the ground, the from. I mean, there's all kinds of sorts of variables. So we were in uh, Costa Rica. Some buddies, buddies and I went down there, and uh, we went on this tour. Like, well, it wasn't like a legit tour. We just some dude had some horses, right on. And so they're putting us on the horses, and and I hadn't spent a whole lot of time on a horse, some, and but not a whole lot. I damn sure don't ride one for a living or a hobby. And so we're out there and just running through these pineapple fields and just having a great time. I did not realize that how close a horse would run to a tree. <laughs> I thought I thought it went just kind of where I was looking. Well, the horse went to go cut around a tree at full full speed and i mean it damn near took my leg off right and when i got around i mean i yanked it over right at, right before i saw what was happening and i thought i wonder if that horse was trying to do something to me uh, maybe, uh, maybe he didn't want me on top may, of him maybe so maybe so he didn't like you riding him. but everything's all great and fun until you hit a damn tree <laughs> yeah until you hit a tree just break your femur right on yeah no doubt that's that way you know i mean everything everything we do is dangerous dealing with 2,000 pound bulls to 1,500 pound cows to 1,200 pound horses to even a 400 pound calf, you know. I mean, jump and kick you and break your damn arm, you know. I mean, it's a there's everything we deal with is pretty dangerous. You got ropes and pins and pipe gates and shit breaks and hits you into a buddy of mine. Bull kicked the gate and broke all his teeth out of his mouth. Broke his jaw in two different places. He's been jacking with that for five years trying to get his face fixed. You know, I mean, just something that blink of an eye happened. A bull jumped and kicked the gate and his, the gate hit him in the face. I mean, broke his face from his eye sockets down. Jesus. And, you know, there's just no kidding. I mean, he's got all false teeth now. He's 45 years old and all his teeth are false and his jaw's been wired shut and got, I mean, it's a bad deal. I mean, another buddy of mine got kicked in the face by a horse, crushed his eye socket, and he's had numerous surgeries trying to fix that. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's always, it could always be worse. And there's guys out there with a lot worse stories than what I got. But I'm luckily, luckily enough, I haven't been injured really, really bad. I mean, I, I say that because I've always kind of gotten up and gone on and, the back deal, I broke my back five, six years ago, like I said, and that was probably the worst one for me. And I, I I think it was March 28th when it happened. It's kind of one of them days that, I guess, live in infamy. You don't ever forget it. March 28th of 2012. Mm-hmm. No, yes, 2012, so six years ago. And uh, like I say, broke a couple of vertebrae and, ribs collapsed along a couple bone fragments went into my spinal column and cut a couple of nerves into you know just a every that's before lunch one day on a wednesday you know i mean so that 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 was in march and end of march i was in icu for seven or eight days i, I was pretty sure and then they did surgery and kicked me out of the hospital in August the second weekend in August I went to a rodeo the same year and rode a bucking horse so I mean you know what else you do doctor's orders <laughs> no he said I'm fine yeah, he it, said I'm fine that's good. exactly what I told him like, that's when you're talking to your woman like no yeah, it's fine no it's fine he said I could do whatever I thought I could do yeah baby I could it's do fine. this yeah it's no big deal she yeah, was talking so. about he was talking about loading groceries yeah. not riding the damn horse. So I mean that's kind of our mentality. That's kind of our lifestyle. That's what we do. That's what I do. That's what a lot of the people in the agriculture industry do. I mean, you gotta get up and you gotta go back to work. Yeah. You too. Anybody that's self employed, you can't lay around and hope somebody pays your bills. You gotta get up and go back to work. My uh my brother in law, Jimmy, is uh I mean, hard one of the hardest working men I know. And he's a he's a lawn guy. He mows lawns, mm-hmm. and he cannot find real good people that he can depend on. So he just finally just does it by himself. Right. Yesterday he got up and his stomach was giving him problems. He thought he had some bad fajitas, and uh, I was talking to him on the phone. He said, "Man, I don't feel right, but I'm going to go mow because I got to get it done." Mm-hmm. So he got about halfway through that first yard and came home and finally went to the doctor. And the doctor said, "Now nah, you you just got a back 
bacterial something or other. You'll be fine. And so he went home and uh, finally we took him to the emergency room and he had to have his appendix taken out. So he's laid up for three weeks, you know. Right. And I know what he's thinking right now. Right. How fast can I get back to work? How fast can I go to pushing that mower? Yeah. Exactly. And that's the way, I mean, that's the mentality of, of most people that work for themselves. I mean, that's the, that they have to have that mentality or they won't be in business very long. Well, and that's, that's how I am with, with what I do. I mean, it's, you know, if I get, I've got guys that work for me, but I still have to perform. Exactly. Or they're just going to go do their own thing and I'm going to be stuck there Mm -hmm. at the house, not doing anything. Right. With all that being said, a damn 90 pound 12 year old gets a scratch in our head you know and no doubt and just matter and shit and then at the same time i mean my daughter you know i'll be mad one minute the next minute i'm just like trying to hold back tears like god dang it i don't know what i'm doing here Uh um but i guess that's what makes being a dad so fun that's it that's it it's the unknown yeah absolutely well brother i appreciate you taking the time to come in and talk to me you bet thanks for having me and uh, I mean, you're somebody I respect. I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy any time we get to spend together. And and uh, you know, I like to f- watch you further your modeling career on Instagram. And touche, really touche. <laughs> Where can they find you? At Buster Frierson, Instagram. I don't even really know to be honest with you. That's it. I mean, Buster Frierson. I'm on Instagram. Buster Frierson. F R I F R I E R S O N. Yes, sir. Well, good deal, you man. Bet. You can kind of keep up with my life through a few pictures. And well, and uh, where can they find anything about the bisonunion.com? Just go online, punch in Bison Union, and it'll come up. And you can scroll through the website and read the story and kind of see if you like anything on there. I mean, there's some cool t shirts and cool caps. And like I say, you kind of representing a small part of the world that we live in. And that's kind of what we just want to keep it real, you know. I mean, that's. And I know that's kind of a cliche deal, keep it real, but that's exactly what it is. I mean, we just, everything's real and there's times authentic, there's times that we don't get it done and we're going to straight up tell you, hey, we can get it done, maybe next time. And there's stuff that, you know, I mean, that we just want to keep it real. Integrity, character, just real. I I mean, I, I love y'all stuff. Like the the hat that I have with the moose on it. Right. You know, I mean, this stuff sells out quick, too. It does. It's amazing to me. You know, people are grasping at that real. And there's a certain edge to it, a certain attitude. It does, yeah. It's an attitude. There's an edge, like you say. I mean, and I'm proud of that. I mean, I think there's kind of an air to it that a lot of companies don't have. It's just generic. Our stuff's not generic. I like the shirt. Uh, y'all have the one that says, easy, tough guy. Anybody can grow a beard. Exactly. It's like the push-up bra for men. <laughs> right on. I agree. I see guys with beards, and I have one, but it's slowly getting smaller. Because uh, yes. Because I see dudes that their beard, or they weigh like 110 pounds, but their beard is just giant. I'm thinking, damn, man. Right. That's a... And you hand them a four-way lugger, and they have no idea what to do with it. Right. And that irritates me like no other... Yeah. If you're going to walk around wearing a beard, you better be able to skin a goat and cook it. Skin a goat. Yeah, something. I can skin a goat and cook it. Yeah. Well. I'm pretty good at that. Yeah, I can skin animals and cook them. Yeah, so, so there you go. I'm, I qualify. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of another one of those topics I guess we could get on one day. I judge people by their handshake. Right. And when someone short strokes you. Well, like uh, you got them big ass hands, apparently. <laughs> but when you go to shake somebody's hands and they grab too quick and they get the tips of your fingers, oh yes, sir. And it doesn't even matter how strong your grip is. It doesn't matter. You 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 just you, you just lost. Got, you lost. I didn't even know we were going to have this competition, <laughs> but you just you sneaky son of a bitch. You just you lost. short stroked me. Yeah. People I like will just meet randomly. Like, hey, I'm Ryan, and they do that. I'm like, no. Uh-uh. We're going to do that again. Yeah, I'm Come back you. in. I'm My you. ego can't handle yeah, that. I turned it loose. I turned it loose and go, yeah, re grip there, brother. Let's come back in. We're going right. to lock eyes. That's right. You put it thumb to thumb all the way up. I want to hear a click. Hey, that's it. And then squeeze. Hey, it. And then you see those guys that really try to grip. Oh, yes, yeah, sir. It's, and they they like look at you and kind of grimace. You bet. Oh, what the fuck are we doing here, buddy? <laughs> we going to fight? <laughs> I was just thanking you. Exactly. I had a guy that I interviewed one time, and uh, 
He's a real squirrely dude, older guy. He was probably 45, and apparently was a great welder, real intelligent guy. You could tell that he was one of those guys that just, like, he knew everything, everything he had, he had just presented to me, he had, he had read. And it wasn't like he wasn't apprenticed by somebody, you know I mean? He knew every technical term. He was a brilliant guy. Right. I was really impressed by it. I go to shake his hand, and he grabs my hand, and I, I, it wasn't a handshake that I thought that that was a weak ass handshake, and it was just, a, and I wasn't squeezing, and he, it turned into this like five second stare down, and where he kept like gripping harder and harder, and I finally just kind of like, okay, buddy, I'll see you, and he just wandered off, but you know, I'll never forget that guy. Yeah, so you remember him forever and ever. I won't shake his hand next time. Exactly. I'll just act like I don't know him. Right. <laughs> So that's another thing you're talking about, circle of dads. Teach your kids how to shake somebody's hand and look them in the eye when they're doing it. Whether they be a boy or a girl, it means a lot to of a lot of folks. Abby and I talk about that constantly. When she, um, and I, I, won't, I won't get on to her in front of people about it, but if she meets somebody, and you know, she's shy, and she's a little girl, you know, and so she'll... There's times when she's like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, and got her head down. And it's like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. I want you to look them in the eye. You stick your hand out. Stand up straight. Hi, my name is Abby. It is nice to meet you. Exactly. And that's, and that's it. Like, that's, that's, that's all I require. Exactly. And she does it now, for the most part. Every once in a while. I mean, they're kids. You, they're not always going to do it. But right. uh, those moments just fill me with so much pride. For sure. I agree. Because I know that she's she's building something. She's developing something that when she gets older, she will have that confidence. No doubt. I see that in my wife. My wife has an amazing confidence. Like she just walks into a room and it lights up and for multiple reasons. But when she meets people, her body language, she doesn't slouch. She doesn't look down. She doesn't cross her arm. She doesn't try to hide. And you start picking up on stuff like that. I started teaching Abby stuff like that. You know, like don't. Don't shield yourself. Right. Like, like present present yourself to the world with confidence and and a certain uh, air, and 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 they will respond back. It's just my opinion. No, I agree. I agree. Well, right sure. on, brother. Hundred percent. Well, I hope you enjoy your day. Same to you. Thank, thank you thank so you. much. I enjoyed this and uh, appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Circle of Dads podcast. Please subscribe, share with your friends, and leave us a review on iTunes. It's how we are found don't have to be perfect but you do have to be present chase those kids until the day you die love runs downhill